Hey everyone, this is Jarla from Fast Loaders, and you're listening to Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. With Rob O'Hare. Sprite Castle. Hello and welcome to Sprite Castle, the show in which we play, discuss, and review Commodore 64 games. My name is Rob Flack O'Hara, and on this episode of Sprite Castle, we will be discussing Wonder Boy. Are you wondering what the name of Wonder Boy's girlfriend is? You'll find out on this episode of Sprite Castle. But before we get started with this episode's game, let's check the Daily Sun for this week's Paperboy headlines. Well, the very first bit of news I want to mention is that the Last Ninja Musicology Kickstarter is back on. On episode 26, I announced that there was a Kickstarter to fund this awesome new uh, tribute, I guess, of uh, of hard rock, uh, heavy metal cover tunes of The Last Ninja. Uh, and then on episode 27, I had to announce that it had been canceled due to some uh, copyright claims from system three boo. Um, (laughs) you know, I don't think anybody intended, uh, anywhere in this project. I mean, at least from what I saw to take over anyone's copyright or claim that they were part of the original thing. So I, you know, I, I'm glad that everybody was able to get things worked out. And so if you didn't catch that at the opening, that was uh, Jarly from the Fast Loaders. The Fast Loaders are the guys doing the Last Ninja Musicology, and they have been so kind as to give me uh, a couple of clips to play. So here is a brief clip of uh, the Last Ninja Musicology. Ninja Musicology. Okay, that, I'm sorry. That's not really from the last Ninja Musicology. Uh, my my dreams of uh, being a heavy metal lead singer have been dashed. Uh, this is actually a clip from the last Ninja Musicology EP. So if you're a fan at all of The Last Ninja or of this style of music, I love them both. Uh, You want to go over to Kickstarter. Of course, we'll have that link in the show notes. Um, But you want to back this. It's a really cool thing. They're going to have uh, a physical release. There's small if you just want to get the the digital release. If you want a physical package. If you want to uh, stream a live concert, there's all different levels uh, on their Kickstarter. So again, thanks to the guys from the Fast Loaders for sending in uh, that little introduction. And definitely go check out uh, their Kickstarter for the last Ninja Musicology. Uh, as you know, on Sprite Castle, I'm starting to add ringtones for the games that uh, I am reviewing on the show. And uh, I kicked that off with last week's 
uh, review of Adventureland, which was a text adventure with no sound. So it was a horrible <laughs> timing on my part. Uh, but this week is Wonder Boy, and I have uploaded uh, the theme song from Wonder Boy and some of the sound effects to the game for uh, alerts. So I have those in both formats in MP3 if you're an Android or a Windows user. Or uh, they are in M4R, which is the ringtone format for uh, iOS devices. So either format, go over to SpriteCastle.com and look on the top and you will see a link to Commodore 64 ringtones. I found a cool website. Someone sent me a link to C64CopyProtection.com. I've been going through some of the archives there. I, I'm infatuated with uh, Commodore and really any 8-bit computer copy protection, the way that they kept people from uh, pirating their software and the lengths that they went to, to prevent piracy, which of course, uh, almost never worked. <laughs> I don't know of any copy protection off the top of my head that just, I think, uh, you know, there were some that were so, uh, intricate, like rapid lock. I know, uh, you know, that depended on the speed of the drive and your drive being in perfect alignment. And, you know, some of them were so intricate that they didn't even work on if your drive was a little bit of a lot, uh, you know, out of alignment or something, they wouldn't work. Um, but yeah, I'm sure it was frustrating to these companies, uh, to try to copy protect their software only to have, you know, kids and teenagers breaking, uh, their programs left and right. But anyway, uh, C64 copyprotection.com. There's some interesting articles over there, and so uh, definitely go over there and give that uh, a look. I also saw a link to uh, the Retro Gaming Times, uh, which is a new uh, magazine. You can find it over at ClassicPlastic.net. Um, so I'm always uh, looking for you know free magazines, free zines, anything like that where people are still writing about uh, 8-bit systems, especially the Commodore 64. Good times uh, on that stuff. The project Sid FX uh, has uh, been announced. That is a project to uh, allow Commodore 64 owners to add two Sid chips inside their Commodore 64. It is a solder-free solution. So basically, you pull the Sid chip out, which is socketed, and I believe this goes in that socket, and then you can add two Sid chips, and you can add. Um, any two SID chips you want. So there are a lot of people that prefer uh, the vintage sound of the original bread box. There are some that prefer the later version. So you can add one of each if you want to be able to switch back and forth between those on the fly. Uh, or you can add two of the same, you know, for listening to songs in stereo. But there's, uh, uh, I'll put the link to that, but that's Project SID FX. So that looks pretty interesting. The first deadline for the Commodore 64 cartridge development competition has uh, hit. So there are 11 games, I believe, right now that have all been entered in the competition, and you can play them all. You can download them. I say this on many episodes, uh, but there's no greater time that we've lived in for old computers than right now. People are still making games. They're releasing them for free. Uh, so it's really cool thing. But I will add a link to that if you want to go check out. There's some really good-looking uh, games this time. I've been uh, checking out a few of those and, and lots of cool stuff. A friend of mine tipped me off to uh, this demo. It's called We Are Demo 64. It is a, an incredible Commodore 64 demo, and there's a link where you can watch it on YouTube if you don't want to download it and run it, or you know if you do, uh, that's all the better. 
Um, but uh, I'm going to put a link to that just because the the effects on this would have blown my mind back in the mid '80s. You know, when we were trying to by hand draw sprites. You know, or you know the fact that you could do a multicolor sprite or do you know at a, a you know two sprites stuck together <laughs> things like that. And so watching these demos that people are still pushing the limits of these systems. Uh, it is really incredible. So I, I will, uh, I'll share that out. But if you, you want to watch something really incredible, go check out We Are Demo uh, C64. It, it's, it's really incredible. I heard about this next news bit on uh, the Amigos podcast. If you're a fan of the Amiga line of computers, you should be listening to the Amigos podcast. Uh, but there was a release of ABBA music. It's called the ABBA Gold Collection for the C64, and it has 15 different ABBA songs that have been tracked on our little 8-bit friends. So if you are a fan of ABBA, and let's face it, aren't we all fans of ABBA? Yes, I do believe so. Uh, go check out ABBA Gold. You can download that and listen to those tunes. They're really well done. It's a really uh, uh, you know fun little thing to download and listen to. Uh, and finally, I saw a link to, um, there's been another uh, Hokuto Force release, and it is for Super Monaco GP. I never played this game. I think maybe it came out uh, early 90s, maybe 1990. Um, so, I mean, I was still uh, playing the 64 regularly back then, so I don't know how I missed it. But it is a, a racing game, and they've re-released this with uh, six different uh, cheats and hacks built in now. It looks really good. I was checking this out earlier today. There's a, a large rearview mirror across the top of the screen where you can see people coming behind you. Uh, the car is really large. You know, I think on, like when I think of, um, oh, pole position or pit stop, I think of how small the car is compared to the lanes and the width of the road. But uh, in this game, your car takes up like almost the entire lane and it's only a two lane uh, racetrack. So there's not a lot of mo you know room to maneuver around people you're trying to pass but um yeah if you're into racing games this seems to be a really good one you know i was a fan of oh test drive and um you know i mean i there were some good racing games obviously the the later in in life uh, there there's kind of that sweet spot you know and i think this falls into it the earlier ones weren't very advanced and the later ones were really pushing the limits of uh of you know what the commodore 64 could do in terms of of scrolling and and all those things on the on the screen. So this is really, um, you know, kind of right around that time, the apex of racing games. So if you like racing style games, go check out this new release of uh, super Monaco GP. And now it's time to get to this episode's King of the castle. This episode's King of the castle is John justice. John was able to correctly identify last week's secret song, which was Pee-wee's Big Adventure. It was the theme to Pee-wee Herman's first movie. Uh, and uh, obviously the tie-in was Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And the game that was reviewed was Adventureland. And either that one was a lot harder than I thought, or everyone else has given up on playing. <laughs> so I think John had literally the only correct response last week. So I also forgot to mention on episode 27 that Michael D'Angelo has now entered... 
Sprite Castle Royalty. I failed to realize that Michael D'Angelo had three correct answers. And so, as you know, if you win uh, the King of the Castle contest three times, you are retired from playing and you are moved to uh, Sprite Castle Royalty. So congratulations uh, to the royal Michael D'Angelo. VIP room is to the left. There are plenty of seats and everyone has their own Commodore 64 hooked up in the VIP room. Uh, it's not, there's, there's no, uh, uh, ladies back there to entertain like a normal VIP room or champagne. No, <laughs> in our VIP room, we just have, uh, uh, cheap beer and Commodore 64s, but Hey, you know what, as, as we get older, that sounds better to me anyway. So anyway, congratulations both to John justice for being this episode's King of the castle and Michael D'Angelo for entering, uh, Sprite castle royalty. If you would like to be. The next episode's King of the Castle. All you need to do is correctly identify the secret 8-bit song played during the show's closing credits. The show will not be from the game discussed in the episode, but will relate to the episode's theme in some way. For example, Adventureland and Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Once you have identified the secret song, the first person to send the song title to me, either through Facebook, Twitter, email, or the show's voice mailbox, will be the next King of the Castle. All those contacts are listed in the show's closing credits. And those are this week's headlines brought to you by my local paperboy who just got bitten by the neighbor's dog. Don't tell my boss. Now that we've covered this week's news, let's discuss this week's snack. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Talking snack. Well, in last week's game, Adventureland, it was a game that featured almost no food at all within the game. In Wonder Boy, you have to eat food. You eat food continually, and there's just a constant stream of fruit. There are apples and berries and bananas and all these things. Um, And so, you know, I, I recently went to the doctor, and the doctor says, oh, boy, you know, Putting on the pounds there, Flack. <laughs> That's not really how he talks. Uh, but, uh, you know, as you, as you start getting older, you got to watch what you eat or whatever. And I thought, you know, I've already done a banana split <laughs> for, for Sprite Castle. Um, but you know what? I thought maybe this episode I should do something a little bit more healthy. So uh, I, it took me a couple of days to put this one together, but I did eat an apple uh, and I had a banana. So I had some some actual fruit. As I worked on this episode, so I wouldn't say that I'm turning uh, over a new leaf per se, but I did have some fruit. But uh, uh, there's lots of fruit in this game, uh, including uh, this game, which is bananas and features bananas. And that game is Wonder Boy, which was published for the Commodore 64 in 1987 by Activision. It is a game for one or two players that uses joystick controls. It is based on the 1986 Sega arcade game. Uh, there was another sequel on the Commodore 64, which was Wonder Boy in Monsterland. That was a 1987 arcade game that was released in 89 for the C64. We have done some uh, Activision games before on the show. We did Hero earlier. We've also done Little Computer People. 
So we've talked a little bit about uh, the company Activision on the show already. This game, uh, I found a link on Moby Games that said it was ported by Images Design. I haven't been able to find anything out about that, but uh, in the credits, it does list that the, the game was programmed and the music was both done by James Smart and the graphics were done by Andrew Payne. Now, James Smart is sometimes credited as Jim Smart. He worked on Alfred Chicken, The Amazing Spider-Man, Back to the Future Part 2, both of the Wonder Boy games, and he did on a lot of these games. Not only did he do the programming, but he also uh, did the sound. So that's pretty impressive because this game has uh, uh, good programming and good sound. Also, Andrew Pang. Uh, has remained in the industry. He has uh, lots of game-related credits, and in fact, his latest credit is as studio head working on Silent Hill Downpour in 2012. So it's good to see these guys that got their roots in the 8-bit programming days that stayed in the business all this time. So the context of this game is right around the apex, I would say, of 2D platform games. Um, In the early days, I mean, a lot of people point to Donkey Kong as being the first platform game. There were some earlier games that you could probably push the definition and say were platform games. But Donkey Kong is the one that kind of, especially the later levels, Uh, gave us that idea of having platforms, having to jump over things, having to jump to different platforms and and go up and down as well as, uh, uh, you know, get to the end of whatever that screen is. Um, But anyway, so, you know, we have Donkey Kong and then, uh, and that's in 81, I believe. And then in 82, we have uh, Pitfall and Smurf Rescue, which are both examples of platform games on home consoles. And then in 1984, we have Pac-Land. And Pac-Land really kind of takes that idea and puts it in a scrolling environment. So you're not moving from screen to screen. You're, you're scrolling along continuously and you have this, uh, you know, bright colors and a, uh, you know, an enjoyable character, I guess, a charismatic kind of star. Um, and then in 1985, we get Super Mario Brothers. And of course, Super Mario Brothers changes everything. It really redefines, um, you know, what platform games are, what players expect. And not only does it raise the bar and set the bar, really, for platform games, but Mario, as we all know, um, really transcends Super Mario Brothers. I mean, of course, we had Mario, uh, a.k.a. Jumpman, in Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. and in the uh, earlier Mario Brothers. But by the time Nintendo releases Super Mario Brothers, uh, Mario basically becomes their mascot. I mean, he is their Nintendo brand. And so this is the time where everyone starts um, trying to get a mascot. I mean, if you think of the Atari 2600, I don't think it had a mascot like Mario per se. Um, and, but so these companies start looking for not only, you know, a game and a mascot sort of thing. And so, uh, I think this game is an early attempt from Sega 
to do that and to have Wonder Boy kind of become a mascot. Wonder Boy is very similar, very, very similar to Super Mario Brothers. And, you know, Wonder Boy is kind of this cute guy um, that could have been made into a mascot. Obviously, when we think of Sega and platform games and mascots, we don't think of Wonder Boy. Most people think of Sonic the Hedgehog. And so I, I think Wonder Boy... Uh, his popularity didn't uh, take off, <laughs> maybe uh, in the way that uh, Mario Brothers did. But that's kind of the context in which this game came out. It was a time where we have, uh, uh, you know, platform games, mascots, you know, trying to make a character that people can, uh, uh, if not relate to, at least kind of enjoy. So I, I think that's uh, really, you know, like I said, the context of this game. Uh, the box and manual, um, first of all, there are a lot of names that either change or are not consistent throughout the Wonder Boy universe, such as it is. <laughs> uh, and the very first thing that, that sticks out to me, and this comes from a background of uh, English and journalism and things like that, is that the term Wonder Boy is not consistent. Sometimes it's one word, Wonder Boy, and sometimes it is two words, Wonder Space Boy, with both of those being capitalized. So right off the bat, that kind of jumped out at me. Um, in this version of the game, uh, his girlfriend that he's trying to save... Well, first, let's talk about Wonder Boy himself. Uh, in some literature, he is referred to as Tom Tom. That is his name. Uh, but in this... For the most part, he is just referred to as Wonder Boy. Also, his girlfriend uh, is Tina, but in other versions of the game, or some versions of the game, it's Tanya. I don't know why it was changed. I believe this one refers to her as Tina, and the SMS version refers to her as Tanya. Again, it's obviously the same person, and why it was changed from one version to another, I'm really not sure. Uh, but there are lots of inconsistencies between different versions of this. Um, there's a guardian angel that you can get, which is the equivalent of uh, the star in super Mario brothers that makes you invincible for, you know, a few seconds, but in some versions it's a guardian angel uh, on this version. It refers to it as a fairy on the SMS version. It just calls it an angel. It doesn't say guardian angel. So again, it's just one of those things that, you know, changes in between versions. So those sorts of things uh, just drive me crazy. The uh, original release of Wonder Boy was on cassette and the manual was inside. So there's not a whole lot of instructions included inside uh, Wonder Boy. Now on the front cover is a big picture of most of the monsters and they're inside a glowing TV screen. Um, and it's very weird because they're all kind of like huddled together and Wonder Boy is there. And you would imagine like Wonder Boy would be fighting them or doing something, but he's not. He's like running away on his skateboard. And also uh, this may be a minor detail, but as a, a guy from the eighties or who grew up in the eighties, it's a very 70s style skateboard. It's a, um, you know, kind of a long skinny one with a really pointed nose, which was not what we were writing <laughs> when this game came out uh, in 87. Everybody had the, you know, what we, I think we call them now. They refer to him as the fishtail, you know, with a big round nose up front. Um, so it, it doesn't seem very modern, um, and then Tina has red hair, which in the game, she does not have, uh, red hair. She has green hair. 
Uh, so there's a lot of inconsistencies on the artwork. Um, the way it's, there's a, a monster, I guess it's one of the end bosses, kind of in the upper right, and he has his hands out uh, in fists, but it's curved. It's at an arc. And when I looked at this, I thought they were all riding together, like in a van, like the, like the TV screen was the windshield and they were all crammed inside this van together. Um, but, you know, at, when I looked at it more closely this time, I see that it's a, a TV screen. But it's, like I said, it's very, very odd artwork, but I probably looked at it longer than <laughs> most people have ever looked at it. Uh, inside the manual, you get a few... Uh, well, you get, of course, loading instructions for the disc and cassette version, uh, and it has them separated for the 64 and the 128. Uh, F1 and F3 uh, are for one player or two player. F5 turns the music on and off, which is something if you're going to play this a lot, you may be interested in knowing. And F7 is pause. And, and um, you know, back then, games with a pause key were, oh, we just really appreciated that because it's not like today with an emulator where you can just you know, hit alt pause or P and MAME or whatever and, and go do something and come back. Not all games supported pause. So, uh, you know, if you were playing a game and mom yelled that it was time for dinner, you either had to, you know, yell back or do something else. So games that had a pause built in were, were really appreciated back then. Uh, also the manual refers to wonder boy, Tina and well, it calls wonder boy in one word, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to get over that <laughs> one word, two word. doesn't matter. He's wonder boy. Uh, and Tina. And then the bad guy is known as King just in all capitals. K I N G. It almost looks like a placeholder. Like someone was going to go back and give the bad guy a name, but he's just the evil King named King. There's a little blurb on the back that says, From the arcade original by Sega, the captivating cartoon adventure Wonder Boy is here for your home computer. Wonder Boy is a kid with a quest to reach his girlfriend across a very unfriendly landscape. Snakes, fire, snails, bees, and tumbling boulders can make for a short trip, but our hero can break open eggs to collect a stone axe, a guardian angel, and other useful items. A skateboard speeds up his progress, and picking fruit provides bonus points. If you're careful... A game of skill, timing, and good, clean fun. Uh, so there you go. You boot up the game, and we get to a title screen where you will first hear the Wonder Boy music <laughs> very shortly, and you will be hearing a lot of it throughout this game. Uh, there's a, uh, a static screen at the title. Uh, it has Tom Tom and Tina. This is a uh, an adaptation of the arcade title screen. It looks pretty much the same. Obviously, the resolution's a little lower. Uh, and again, you know, this is Tina in the Commodore 64 version and some other versions it's Tanya. Um, but we have Tom, Tom on the right. He has blonde hair and he has this, uh, stone ax kind of thrown over his shoulder. And we have Tina on the left with green hair and this surprised look on her face. Uh, and then the rest of the graphics around are in a purple and blue, uh, kind of pattern. It says wonder boy. Then it says from Sega, all rights reserved, uh, a trademark and copyright Sega 1986, Activision 1986, Sega, uh, and then it says Activision. So this is one of those, I, I don't really understand this. I've mentioned this on other episodes, but the, we have Sega and Activision twice on this, once in text and once in their logo. Uh, so it's like, you know, who could get their name on the game more? And then you go to the menu screen and it says copyright 1987 Activision Incorporated uh, and Sega. <laughs> so they, before you play the game, you'll see the words Activision and Sega three times. 
Uh, and then the menu just has F1 or F3 for one or two players. It doesn't mention the F5 for the sound and the F7 for pause, which are things that uh, uh, would be pretty important to know. So with the controls, this is one of many, many, many arcade games that had two buttons that was ported to the Commodore 64 that used Atari-style DB9 joysticks that only has one button. And so in Wonder Boy, you use the button to shoot, uh, to run faster and to jump higher. Uh, well, and when I say shoot, I mean throw uh, throw the axes. Uh, but you press up uh, or up diagonal to jump. And so uh, it doesn't. It's not really that hard. It doesn't add that much complexity. But I guess it it could take a little bit of uh, getting used to. So the gameplay uh, again. You are Tom Tom, aka Wonder Boy, and you must save your girlfriend Tina, aka Tanya. Um, when I was a kid playing this game, I always thought you were like a caveman baby with a diaper on, um, in the pictures, he doesn't look that young. So uh, maybe it's just because the way the graphics are drawn, the character's head's pretty big and, and, uh, his body's pretty small. Uh, but I, that's what I always thought. I always thought you were a baby. Um, it is a platform game that's very similar to super Mario brothers. You must move left to right. Um, a lot of the power-ups in Super Mario Brothers are here. They are just uh, slightly changed. So, for example, instead of getting the mushroom in Super Mario Brothers that makes you bigger and means that you can take an extra hit, in this game you could get a skateboard, which puts a, uh, you ride a skateboard and you get a helmet. Uh, the the one difference is, is when you have the skateboard, you must constantly move to the right. The game forces you to keep rolling to the right. So it makes it a little bit more difficult when you're timing uh, the jumps uh, between some of the different platforms. But again, it's the same type of thing. If you get hit, uh, then you just lose your skateboard and helmet. And it's, it's like a, um, uh, you know, going back down to little Mario, uh, instead of shooting fireballs, you get to throw stone age axes whenever you find the ax. Uh, again, I mentioned you have the guardian angel, which makes you invincible for about 10 to 15 seconds, just like the star, uh, in Mario and, in this game, there are seven levels with four stages each. So that's different because Mario had uh, eight levels with uh, four stages each. Uh, and at the end of each level, there is a boss that you must fight. Uh, and when you defeat the boss, you collect their treasure. So that's the ultimate goal is to get all seven treasures. Uh, and after beating the seventh boss, then uh, you get to save your girlfriend. Now, the bosses are, I guess, a mad ogre with different heads. He puts, you, when you kill him, his head falls off and then he gets another head. Uh, when you fight him again, if you remember mad balls, do you remember mad balls? They were <laughs> like little, uh, like, you know, squishy kind of balls that had monster faces on them in the eighties. And this, the heads look just like mad balls. They're just perfectly circular. And when you kill him, it just bounces off and he gets another head the next time. That's what it reminds me of is, is you're killing a giant um, ogre with mad balls for uh, uh, for a head. Like in Mario, I'm going to quit saying that. Um, you get the idea that it's like Mario. Uh, but each stage, uh, there's like a fire stage. There's a cloud stage. There's the outdoor stage. There's the underground cave stage. And then those just repeat for uh, each of the levels. So uh, each one has four stages that you, you know, that you have to beat to get through the levels. You collect fruit along the way for points, uh, but it also builds your health and you have a health meter. Uh, so instead of a normal timer, there's a health meter that's going down and it goes down fairly rapidly. So you have to keep getting food 
throughout the level to build your health meter back up. Uh, I think it's actually called a vitality uh, meter. And there are things that you can get uh, along the way that will turn all the fruit into uh, like uh, oh snacks, like it'll turn all the apples into ice cream cones and things like that. Um, so it turns it all into junk food. And then they're worth twice as much vitality. But I always thought it should have been the other way around. <laughs> you know, like you're giving a bad message to kids. You know, if you eat a banana, it's a little bit okay, but a banana split is better. Um, but, you know, I, like I said, I always thought those should have been uh, flipped around, but they are not. Uh, you have snails that move really slowly and have a shell on their back. Seems kind of like turtles. Uh, but there are a lot more enemies in this game. There are spiders, uh, bats that fly at you. There are bees, which some version refer to as wasps. Uh, there are skulls. Uh, there are um, squids or octopus that shoot up out of the ocean at you. Uh, there are frogs that you have to shoot twice. So you shoot them one time and they come at you faster. So you have to shoot them a second time. Um, there's, there's lots of different animals and, uh, creatures that you'll encounter in, uh, wonder boy. There are also, uh, rocks that whenever you run through a rock, it takes away vitality. There's fire and fire will kill you instantly. And then there are rolling boulders, uh, that I think are the same as rocks. I think they just uh, take away vitality. When there are a lot of things on the screen, you will notice the music slowing down. And that's one thing that as a kid, uh, always kind of bugged me about this game. The music's really good, um, but it does appear to use all the channels. And so this is something that wasn't uncommon in Commodore 64 games. You might have music that's using three channels. And then when a sound effect would fire off, it'll drop that channel out from the music and use it to perform the sound effect. So the music kind of wavers throughout the game. I mean, it's still good, but it's just something that you'll notice. Um, the Commodore 64 manual that I found does not have what any of the score is for any of the items that you collect. Now the, uh, uh, SMS manual, I found that online and that does have all the different scores. And, and, um, you know, as you play, you'll see like the fruit is 50 to a hundred, but then if you turn it into the snack foods, they double. Uh, and there are lots of different things uh, that you'll collect all along the way that you'll get, uh, a score for. But in the, uh, like I said, in the cassette version, it does not list what any of the items and, and there's not even anything in the game. Sometimes, uh, you know, games would have that splash screen at the beginning that would tell you what things are worth, but you don't get that here in wonder boy. Uh, I checked retrocomputerscene.com for their high scores. The highest score they have listed there is around 239,000, but I don't think that's, uh, maybe that website is out of date or maybe they're not updating it. And I may end up, not checking that. Um, I watched a YouTube video where a guy played through the game and got 440,000. And also on C64 wiki, the high score listed there is 491,000. So, uh, that's actually 491,960. So, uh, it seems like that retro computer scene, I really uh, was using them to bounce high scores off of, but it doesn't seem like it has very up-to-date information. There's an interesting trivia story related to this game. It has to do with the Bo Jolly release of this game. Bo Jolly was a company that released compilations of games later in their life, and they released a compilation with Wonder Boy. Nobody is exactly sure how this happened, but at some point they contacted Activision, and Activision provided them a copy of Wonder Boy to put in their compilation. But when they did so, they provided the wrong 
version. They actually provided a, what appears to be an earlier beta of the game. And in fact, it is unbeatable. You get to a point and, uh, you know, there, there's a part where you can no longer advance. Um, there's weird things that happen. The sprites are slightly different. So, uh, you know, for people that like to see how games advance over time, I mean, it's really interesting from a historical point of view, but I can't imagine that the people that bought that version would have been that happy about it. But, uh, yeah, I I thought that was kind of interesting. Reviews of this game are not as high as what I was expecting. Uh, Lemon64 readers have given it a 7 out of 10 rating, and really that's about what I would give this. I would give this game, I would say, around a 7. 64 in uh, 2000, let's see, oh no, uh, 1987. They gave it 11 out of 15. Uh, Computer and Video Game Magazine gave it a 70% when it came out in 87, and when they Revisited it in 1990. They only gave it a 62%. Commodore Force uh, has reviewed it twice and gave it 63% both times. Commodore User gave it 6 out of 10. Happy Computer gave it 69 out of 100. Your Commodore Magazine gave it 8 out of 10 the first time and 3 out of 5 the second time. Uh, And Zap Magazine gave it 52% originally. 52, that's failing. Uh, And 63%. Uh, I don't agree with those, um, and I'll talk about it a little bit more during the part where uh, I talk about my memories of this game, but I enjoyed this game more than what a lot of those scores uh, reflect. Now, this is uh, obviously a port of the arcade game. Uh, it was released for the Commodore 64, uh, the Amstrad CPC, the Sega Master System, the SG-1000, and the ZX Spectrum, and other than the ZX Spectrum, uh, all of those versions look really good. The Sega Master System version looks excellent. Most of those look a little bit more like the arcade version than the Commodore 64, and and that's not something I'm used to seeing. Usually, uh, when I see a game has been ported to a lot of different platforms, I usually think that the Commodore 64 is the best or one of the best, but all these these different versions uh, look pretty good. It has appeared on the Wii, I think, as another one of those uh, arcade online things that you could download. Uh, and there was a version for the Game Gear as well. If you want to play this version today, uh, this game was released for iOS, but I checked iTunes and it's no longer there. So I, it was on iTunes for a while, but it looks like it's no longer available. So... Uh, if you want to play it, you're probably stuck with MAME if you want the arcade version or emulation or an actual Commodore 64 if you want to play it that way. There are a few versions available on eBay. Um, there's a cassette-only version for $5.67, or there's a complete cassette version, buy it now, for $12. So uh, if you're wanting to add Wonder Boy to your actual Commodore collection of physical software collection of which I have many, um, then, uh, it's not, doesn't seem to be uh, too expensive. And now here are some of my personal memories of Wonder Boy. All right, time travelers, I got my Commodore 64 in 1985. 
Um, I, I have talked many times about my friends Jeff and Andy who both have Commodore 64s and let me copy all of their games. And I started building a library uh, of games and then trading those games with other people. And there were so many classic games already out by 1985. I mean, uh, you know, I remember playing Ghostbusters and Impossible Mission and and um, just, just tons and tons of, of classic games, uh, games that I still play today. When I'm looking for something to play on the Commodore, there are things that I still uh, play today, you know. And so really the Commodore, you know, most of my friends at that time in the neighborhood had Atari or Intellivision. So the Commodore blew away what these people had. And then in 95, um, they all started getting Nintendos and everybody wanted to play Super Mario Brothers. And people would come over to my house and I would play on my computer and they would say, well, but does it play Mario? And you're like, no, but look at this game. It's Bard's Tale. Look, it's a whole 3D world. Or look at this. It's a, a, you know, a race game or look at that. And then they would say, but does it play Mario? And I was get so sick of that. Like, no, but I just downloaded all these discs of games for free. You dummies. (laughs) And what did you get for free? Nothing. And they would say, but does it play Mario? (laughs) Like they keep getting dumber every time I say that. Um, and so I was always looking for something that was like Mario to show these people. Um, and so when wonder boy came out, and I, I got a copy of it. That was really what I thought of it. It was, you know, it was kind of like our version. When I say our Commodore 64 kids, it was our version of Mario. You know, it was a platform game. It played music. It had bright colors. And yeah, it wasn't exactly Mario, but it was the same style of game. And I would show that to people. And I'm like, oh, but this is better, you know. And then they would say, did they play Mario? <laughs> and then I would punch them in the mouth. Not really. I just wouldn't let them. Uh, play on my Commodore anymore because uh, if they want to play Mario and go over to their own stinking Nintendos and, and then eventually somebody hacked, uh, uh, I think it was Abyss that hacked, uh, the great Guiana sisters into Mario. So finally we got super Mario brothers on Commodore anyway. So too bad for them. Um, but anyway, I really liked this game. I didn't know that it was an arcade game. I had never seen this game in the arcade. So to me, it was just a, a platform game that was kind of a, a response to Mario. That's what I took it as. And, and, um, you know, like I said, it has a lot of the same gameplay features and action and ideas from Mario. So that's what I always saw it as. For graphics, I give Wonder Boy four out of five stone axes. Everything is detailed, brightly colored. Uh, things look really good for music. I'm going to give it four out of five because I like the song, even though I will tell you that it will get repetitive if you play this for any amount of time. Uh, For sound effects, I give it three out of five. There are plenty of sound effects. Everything sounds great. They're not terrible, but they're not wonderful. They're just there, and they do enhance the gameplay. Overall, though, I give this game four out of five stone axes. I think it's a fun platform game. Uh, I like the arcade. If you don't like the arcade version, you probably won't like this port. But if you're like me, uh, either you like it or you don't have any exposure to it. And either one of those, I think that you'll like this. It's a fun platformer, like I said, um, with lots of uh, little tricks and patterns and things you'll have to learn to get through the game. So I do recommend it.
Thanks again for tuning into Sprite Castle. If you want to play this week's game, head on over to SpriteCastle.com and click on the downloads link at the top of the page where you can download Commodore 64 emulators and all the games that have been reviewed on this show. If you would like to send me a game request or feedback about this or any other episode of Sprite Castle, you can email me at robohara at robohara.com, contact me on Twitter at Commodore, follow the show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Sprite Castle, or leave me a voicemail on the Flack Podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF. Sprite Castle is available from iTunes, Stitcher Radio, the SpriteCastle.com RSS feed, and through throwbacknetwork.net your home for quality retro podcasts. To hear more podcasts from me, check out You Don't Know Flat, Cactus Flax, Throwback Reviews, and Multiple Sadness. You can find links to all these shows at robohead.com forward slash podcasts. Many of the news articles and game details for Sprite Castle come from websites such as Commodore is Awesome, the Commodore Scene Database, Lemon64, and Moby Games. For links to these and more websites, check out the list of links on the right-hand side of spritecastle.com. Thanks again for listening, and get back to rescuing cave babes, and we'll see you here next time on Sprite Castle. <laughs>